most of us hate interruptions in our life, don't we? We can't help it. We're just raised that way. We don't like it when the train goes in front of us and makes us stop for 20 minutes. We don't like it when our kids come barging into our bedroom at just the wrong moment in our lives, okay? We do not like it when solicitors knock on our door and we get unexpected phone calls, things like that. We just don't like interruptions. Today, I'm actually going to tell you the story or read the story about a time when Jesus was interrupted. He was on his way to do something incredibly important. He was going to help a dying girl, and yet he gets interrupted, and he deals so beautifully with the interruption. Let's read about a heavenly interruption that took place in the life of Jesus. This is out of Luke chapter 8. I can't seem to get out of this chapter. I've been in it for like three weeks now, but I, oh, so good. And I'm actually going to preach out of it next week a little bit too, but here we go. Jesus was on his way. He was heading somewhere. He had things to do. The crowds almost crushed him. So many people wanted to be around him. And a woman was there who had been subject to bleeding for 12 years, but nobody could heal her. She came up behind him and touched the edge of his cloak, and immediately her bleeding, her hemorrhaging stopped. Who touched me, Jesus asked, which is funny, when the crowds are pressing all around, the disciples probably want to say, who didn't, okay? There's so many people around you. When they all denied it, Peter said, Master, the people are crowding and pressing against you. Like, what's wrong with you? Can't, what's going on here? But Jesus said, no, 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 no. Someone touched me differently. Someone touched me, and I know that power or virtue has gone out from me. Then the woman, seeing that she could not go unnoticed, she was busted, came trembling and fell at his feet. In the presence of all the people, she told why she had touched him and how she had instantly been healed. And this is my favorite line. Then he said to her, daughter, your faith has healed you. Go in peace. The next time you have an interruption in your life, okay, I beg of you, pay attention to it. Ask the Lord, is this just a common every, everyday annoyance or is this an opportunity for me? Are you doing something here? Something I need to be a part of? And just ask the Lord those questions. Oftentimes it'll just be an annoyance, but sometimes it'll be a very heavenly interruption. That has nothing to do with my sermon today. That's a freebie for you, okay? I actually want to talk about this woman. I want to talk about her healing, her Jesus, and her future. Let's start with her healing. This woman was having a rough go of it. She had suffered for over a decade with this issue of bleeding. She was hemorrhaging, probably due to a chronic menstrual condition. That alone would be bad enough, but she had other major problems too. First of all, this, according to the book of Matthew, she had gone to all kinds of doctors and experts in an attempt to rid herself of this condition, but to no avail. So now she was still hemorrhaging, she was still bleeding, and she was also broke. I've talked to many of you that were in this exact situation. You went to so many doctors over different physical maladies, and all it did was drain your bank account, and you're still sick. So you can relate to her. And that's not all. There's another big problem. You see, in ancient Israel, they had all kinds of rules over what made something or even someone clean or unclean, pure or ritualistically impure. For example, some things on the list. If you had leprosy, you were unclean. If you even touched or bumped up against a leper, you were unclean. If you touched a dead body, you were unclean. There's, and the list goes on and on and on. This woman's issue of bleeding would have made her unclean. And not only that, anybody that bumped into her in this crowd would have been considered ritually impure or unclean. This is a huge deal. It doesn't seem like a big deal to us in our culture. It was a huge deal to her. Because her being unclean meant 
she couldn't go to church. She couldn't go to the synagogue and participate with her own faith community in times of worship. She also would have been socially ostracized. People would have stayed away from her. Most people in her condition would have stayed in one single room in their house, completely cut off from other people, even family and friends. So this isn't just a physical deal. This is a social death. She was broke. She was desperate and alone. So when Jesus healed her, wow, far more occurred than just her body being made well. She got her friends back. She got her family back. She got her faith community back. She got human contact back. She got her life back. Worth and belonging would have returned to her. But there's even more to her healing. Get ready. Get ready for this. I am going to geek out on the Bible. I know I'm way more into it than normal human beings, okay? But this is just so cool, okay? According to verse 20 and 21, her healing happened to her the moment she reached out and touched the edge of Jesus' garment. This is a very significant phrase. A little bit of history for you here. In the Old Testament book of Numbers, God calls Moses to his side, Moses of Ten Commandments fame, and says, this is what I want you to tell the people. I want you to tell all the people to attach tassels at the edge or corners of their garment. And I want you to do this because they are different now. They are my chosen people. They are loved by me. And I want these tassels to be a physical reminder of a spiritual truth, that they belong to me and they're called to live in obedience to me, living out all my plans and dreams for them. Many Jewish people to this day will wear prayer shawls with tassels attached on the edges of them in obedience to this text. Okay? Now, the Hebrew word for corners, corners of a garment, I'll put this up on the screen, is the Hebrew word kanaf. And the Hebrew word for tassels, try to pronounce that, it's tzitzi. Okay? It's the Hebrew word tzitzi. Now, check this out. Sometime later, after the book of Numbers, in the book of Malachi, which is actually the last book of the Old Testament, right before the book of Matthew, there's an ancient prophecy given about the Messiah about God's chosen one who would come to make things right, not only in the world, but in our lives as well. And the prophecy reads like this. The sun of righteousness will rise with healing in its wings. Now here's where it gets fun for me, okay? The word in that prophecy for wings is the word kanaf. It's the word corners, the same word that Moses used when he told the people to attach tassels at the corners of their garment. So people heard that prophecy and they believed for dozens and dozens of years that someday the Messiah would come, God's chosen one, and there would be healing powers in the tassels at the corner of his garment. So back to the story of this lady. Jesus is a Jewish rabbi. As such, he would have been wearing a prayer shawl with tassels when he was in public with tassels at the corners of his garment. So when she went up to touch the corners of his garment, she knew exactly what she was doing. It was an act of great faith on her part. She was saying to, to herself and to everyone, I believe he's the one. I believe he's the Messiah, the chosen one. And as such, I know there's going to be healing powers in the corner of his garment. And she grabbed a hold of that, and she was right. She was healed. Such a cool theme. This woman has what I call sleeper faith, okay? Now let me explain. Any of you that are totally into cars, you know what a sleeper is. You're even nodding your heads right now, okay? A sleeper is a car that's really plain looking on the outside, even a little run down. 
But on the inside, if you pop the hood, it has a beefed-up engine and suspension, okay? People that own sleeper cars win a lot of money in street races and parking lot races. Don't do it. It's illegal, but, okay? But they do. I want to show you a couple of pictures just to get this in your mind. The first one, this is the engine of a car. It's a 427, okay? Huge engine. Now I'll show you the car that it's in. A Chevy Chevette. If you saw this car and you had a hot rod, you would instantly, and he said, hey, do you want to race? You'd go, of course I do. I'm going to win your money easily. And you would not. You would lose badly. Let me show you the next one, okay? This is the engine. This is a turbocharged V8. Let me show you the car it's in now. A station wagon. An old beat-up station wagon. If you have a hot rod, you're thinking you're going to beat these guys and you're going to get taken, okay? This woman, her life was the same as these sleeper cars in my mind. This is how my mind works. She was a little worse for wear after 12 years of suffering and social ostracization. And yet, when you pop the hood in her life, you see that there's some pretty amazing, powerful faith humming inside of her. Let's talk about faith for a while. Sometimes, um, sometimes faith can seem very, it can look very supermanish. Sometimes you have so much faith inside of you, you think, oh my goodness, I can leap over a huge problem in a single bound. I can resist temptation faster than a speeding bullet. I can defeat darkness without even breaking a sweat. You just feel like that. Your faith seems so strong and defiant. Look at Psalm 18. These are just a few phrases that the psalm writer, he writes this poem and he says this, You, Lord, keep my lamp burning. My God turns my darkness into night. And then further down. With your help, I can advance against a troop. Like, I can beat a whole army all by myself, okay? With my God, I can scale a huge wall. And then a few verses down, he makes my feet like the feet of a deer. He causes me to stand on the heights. Then I love this last line, verse 34, I think. Or did we end right there? Well, we ended right there. Dang it. Okay, well, there's a cool verse in verse 34. But you can sense this supermanished faith coming out of the words of this psalm writer. He just feels like he can do anything. Sometimes that's what faith seems like. You have faith that's so strong. You can hear a horrible diagnosis and say, no, that's not going to come about in my life. You can face all types of gloom and temptation and and depression and say, nope, that's not going to rule over me. Sometimes you have that kind of supermanish faith. At other times, faith looks entirely different. (coughs) Excuse me. Sometimes faith... All you can muster up is enough faith to make one desperate lunge towards Jesus, just like this woman did. That's all you've got inside of you, okay? I mean, what got her out of bed that morning? What gave her the courage to face a crowd that she knew would reject her like they always had? What gave her the gumption to reach out and try for healing when all her past attempts ended in futility. Her faith. It was a sleeper faith, but she had it. Is she not your hero? Sometimes your faith will be supermanished. Other times, it'll be more of the, the sleeper variety. But don't knock that. Because when you have sleeper faith like that woman did, you will come into contact with Jesus just like she did. Your faith will bring you into a contact, a moment with Jesus. And that's always a good thing. One last thing I want to mention about her healing has to do with the words Jesus spoke to her in verse 48. After her bleeding stopped, Jesus looked at her and said, Go in peace. Go in peace. 
He wasn't saying, look, all right already, I healed you, now you're bothering me, scram. That's not the point there, okay? The word peace there is the Hebrew word shalom, and it means far more than our English word peace. When we think of peace, we usually think of quiet, like the kids aren't in the house anymore. It's quiet, and there's no trouble, no problems in my life. That's not what shalom is. You can have shalom even if your life's full of trouble, okay? Shalom means wholeness and completeness. It means experiencing the presence of God in a way that helps you walk in harmony with God and all that he has for you. That's what shalom is. So when Jesus says to her, go in peace, he's saying, listen, I didn't just heal your body. Your healing goes way deeper than that. I healed your life. So that fear that used to haunt you, that rejection that wounded you, anything else that got you out of sync with my plans for your life, that no longer gets to rule over you. Shalom does. Go in peace. Experience the wholeness of what God wants for you, not just a fraction of it anymore. Ancient rabbis had this phrase. I'll pop this up on the screen. It was just two words, but it means more than two words. Olam haba. And what it means is life in the world to come, which is so great. When Jesus is saying, I want you to go in peace, what he's saying is, I want you to start living right now the way that you will spend your eternity. I want you to live out your life right now in my wholeness because that's how you're going to live in the world to come. So go in peace is a really cool part of her healing. Now let's talk about her Jesus. Jesus was considered in his day a holy man. There were other holy men, other holy women around at the time, but he was considered a holy man. When we hear that phrase, holy man, if you're like me, you conjure up this image of this old bearded guru on top of a mountaintop somewhere in the Himalayas, and you have to make this arduous journey to get to him, and then you ask him, what is the meaning of life? And he'll tell you, okay? That's what I think of when I hear the phrase, a holy man. Jesus is nothing like that image. First of all, because he won't tell you the meaning of life, he is the meaning of life. Okay, he is the way, the truth, and the life. And he's not distant and aloof. He's available. You can find Jesus on almost any street corner. He was always hanging out with the people. As a holy man, Jesus would have drawn big crowds. Holy people back then drew huge crowds. There was a huge crowd this day. People were literally bumping into Jesus, but this woman was different. She didn't bump into him. She encountered him. That's a huge difference, okay? I think a lot of people only bump into Jesus. They believe in Jesus. They learn about him. They acknowledge that he existed. But on a practical level, they're really just what I call practical atheists. Because if you remove Jesus from the equation of their daily existence, their life really wouldn't change that much. Nothing wouldn't change. Because their life isn't full of these encounters with Jesus that are transformational. Encounters with Jesus that change the way they think, the way they live, the way they give, the way they view the world, the way they view other people. In some ways, encountering Jesus is so simple. He's so approachable. He's so available. He's everywhere. In the book of Acts, it says, in him we live and move and have our being. We can't get away from him. Some, to, so if I tell you, I want you to encounter Jesus, sometimes it's as simple as just waking up to the reality that he's already with you. But in some other ways, encountering Jesus is the most difficult thing you're going to do in your life. That's because most of us spend most of our time going after three different things that start with the letter A. Affluence, 
achievement, and acceptance. We want the money. We want the acclaim. And we want friends, even faux friends, even fake Facebook faux friends. That's a lot of F words right there in that little sentence, isn't it? But we want those things, okay? And we make these things our priority. But when we stop making them the priority in our life and we let go of them, our hands are free. They're empty to grab a hold of something that's much more meaningful, and that's Jesus, what this girl grabbed a hold of. The reason I became a pastor, actually there's a bunch of reasons, but one of the biggest reasons is I always had it in my heart, even when I was a teenager. I always had it in my heart. I want to help people make the leap from just viewing Jesus as an idea or a concept to viewing him as a reality. That's what I wanted to do. Oh, there you go. I'm sorry. So, um, I, want, that's what, I wanted to help people make that leap. I really did. And it can happen for anybody. Jesus himself says, seek and you'll find. He's not going to hide from us. He promises, he guarantees us an encounter with him when we go after him. I want to put up the words of Job. Job is an ancient story in the Bible about a guy that just lost everything and had more troubles than any human being should have. But at the end of the book, 42 chapters into the book, he has this experience with God, and he says these words. My ears had heard of you, but now my eyes have seen you. Please, I beg of you as your friend and your pastor, encounter Jesus. Because when you do, your life will never be the same. You'll no longer feel like you're sitting in a classroom just garnering information about someone. You'll feel like you're on an adventure, on a journey with someone. And that is such a better way to live. Job's words can actually be our words. We can, we can get through the end of our day and say, oh, I'd only heard of you before. Today, Jesus, I saw you. And lastly, I want to talk about our future. There are some famous lines out of romantic movies. I've watched a few because I'm married to Jessica, so I have to every once in a while. And I, I made my top three, which is kind of tough, um, okay? But these are my top three heart-melting, tear-jerking, romantic lines from movies. They're sappy as all get-out, but they got me anyway. Because isn't that how it works? They're totally corny, and then you go, and I liked that anyway somehow. I just don't admit it to my friends. Okay, number three. I would rather have one breath of her hair, one kiss of her mouth, one touch of her hand, than eternity without it. One. That's from City of Angels. If you've never seen City of Angels, oh, you get the Kleenex out. You are not going to make it, okay, with dry eyes. Number two, you'll know this one. Death cannot stop true love. All it can do is delay it for a little while. The Princess Bride, oh, yes, Buttercup. She was a hottie, okay. And my favorite, oh, I love this one. I think I'd miss you even if we'd never met. That's good. That's from The Wedding Date. Not a great movie, but that's a great line, okay? I want us to read Luke 8:48 again because this is a classic love line. It's a heart melter when Jesus says this to this woman. Then he said to her, daughter. And we'll just end right there. Daughter. Before this line, we don't even know this woman's name. She was identified and labeled by her sickness. Can you imagine how awful that would be to be labeled by a physical malady or a sickness? Well, there goes Monty Mumps. There's 
Freddie Flu talking to Susie Syphilis or whatever, you know, stuff like that. You're identified by your disease. That would be horrible to go through life. And that's all she was. She was called the woman with an issue of bleeding. That is horrible. But Jesus changes all that. In this verse, He calls her daughter. That's a game changer. Can you imagine how sweet it must have been for her to finally hear a term of endearment? Because most of her life, the last 12 years, she'd probably heard anything but terms of endearment. She'd probably heard things like unclean, outcast, impure, or even sinner. Because some people believed back then that if you had a physical illness like this, it's because you were suffering from something wrong you did in a past life. So she would have heard all these negative things. And then Jesus calls her daughter? That must have been so sweet. But it must have stung a little too. Because to have that kind of love come into your heart after 12 years of your heart being dead, really? That must have stung. It must have felt like a person with frostbite having the blood rush into their extremities again. But even though it stung, I think it changed the the trajectory of her future. Because I believe she left this moment with Jesus and she went on to become a healer just like Jesus was. And this is why I believe that. Because everybody I've ever met in my life who's had a significant healing take place in their life, whether that healing is physical or emotional or spiritual, they have gone on to pay it forward and become healers to other people around them. Every single one. And I think it happened for her. Please don't underestimate yourself in this area. Just like this woman was healed by coming into contact with Jesus, people are going to be healed by coming into contact with you. Every single one of you. Do not underestimate yourself. Sometimes cures will happen. Those are great. Those are times when people come into contact with you, maybe you pray for them, and some physical illness is miraculously eliminated. Those times are great, but they're few and far between. That's why they're called miracles, okay? They don't happen every day, but healings do. And even if you're with a person and they don't get cured, they will get healed. Some way their life will be made better on some level in some way just by being around you. You've got to trust me on this. It happens all the time. Let me give you an example from my own life of when I was healed, but I wasn't cured, okay? I had a physical ailment, and it was severe. I ended up in the emergency room, and as a result of that, I've told some of you, I got panic disorder. I had this massive panic attack. And by panic attack, I don't mean, ooh, I was a little anxious. I'm a little anxious right now because I'm speaking in public. I get butterflies, okay? I mean I had a panic attack like, I'm dying and I'm not sure why, but I'm convinced I'm going to die at any second now, and you're freaking out. So a friend said, I'm going to get you into this counselor. You've got to go see this counselor. She's good at this stuff. I go, okay, I didn't care. I would have said, give me, you know, morphine. I don't care. <laughs> at this point, I just wanted to not feel this panic. So I go to this counselor, and I sit in her desk, and I can't stop moving. I'm so agitated, I literally can't stop my body moving. And she, of course, is a counselor, and she notices this, and she says, take your shoes off. I go, oh, okay. I didn't even care. I'll do anything, okay? And I rub my feet on the ground, and it calmed me a little bit. And then she took hold of my hands, and I verbally vomited on her for an hour. I just told her everything going on in my life. I didn't know her before. I didn't care. I just was desperate. And after that hour, I went home healed. I wasn't cured. I actually at the time still had the physical ailment that caused the panic attack and I was still experiencing panic. 
But deep down, I had this sense of calm in my heart because this woman, she held my hands and she heard me and she cared for me and she let me borrow some of her faith and her hope because I was in kind of low supply at the time, at the moment. And I went home healed. I, I, it's hard to put into words, but I went home healed. Jesus engaged the crowd. He touched the untouchable. He wanted the unwantable. He hung out with the happy and the hurting. He gave love away like he was made of this stuff, which, of course, he was, okay? We should do the same. We should engage people, get into their lives, be around them, stop isolating ourselves, because every person we're around, the more people we're around, the more healing we spread. And know this, even on your worst day, even on the days when you can barely drag your carcass out of bed in the morning, you have healing to give. You have healing to give. I remember being with a friend. This happened. I got healed on his worst day, okay? I'm talking to him. He goes, i got to tell you some stuff. And he just unloaded on me all the things that were going on in his life. And his life was just a dumpster fire at the time. And he'd made so many mistakes. And his family was a mess. And I was just going... Wow, and in the middle of it, I thought to myself, I didn't say it to him, I thought to myself, yay! Not yay because he's struggling so much and going through all these horrible things, but yay! I'm so healed by hearing that because now I know I'm not alone in all my mistakes and failures and troubles. I just felt so much better. I, of course, didn't tell him that. Thanks for telling me all your problems. I feel so much better because you're really screwed up. I didn't do that. But it was true on his worst days just by having him have the honesty and the vulnerability to admit his failures, I was healed because I was around him. You can heal people on even your worst days. Think of this woman. Do you think she ever went past somebody that was suffering or looked lonely after this moment? Not a chance. She was like a Jedi-level healer. I'll just bet on it. I'll bank on it. And we can be too. Maybe that's the reason I love this story so much. Because her story is our story, and her future, that of becoming a healer, can be our future as well. I'm going to call Pete up here. He's going to end with a special song. That, um, and the song he's going to play, I'm going to pray for us first. But the song he's going to play, um, you have to know something about me. I listen to all types and genres of music. I listen to some heavy metal stuff. I listen to very little rap. I try to avoid that at all costs. I'm sorry. But it's just not my thing. It's not my. And, but every once in a while... I listen to country every once in a while, okay? Don't judge me for it because this song's amazing. And it made me think of this woman because it's a song about how, yeah, there's a lot of brokenness in your life, but you don't ask questions in your time of brokenness. You just get repaired. And that's what happened to this woman. She didn't ask Jesus why. Why did I have this condition for 12 years? She just encountered him and received a cure and a healing. Not only was her physical ailment eliminated, but she was better on a holistic level. So let me pray for us, and then you can enjoy the song and go into your holiday weekend.